Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you're listening from. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We have a wonderful show in store for you with a very special lady. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Um, I hope you, you all are, are tuning in to the other shows on talkradio.nyc, especially um, Reverend uh, Dr. Tara Lynn Curry-Avery's show right before mine, Dismantling Racism, um, a very good show. Uh, today she was talking with someone who was descendant of the largest slave trader and, and sort of his his change and how he's now uh, working towards um, helping to end racism. So a uh, wonderful show. I, you didn't catch it live. Hope you can catch the uh, rerun on talkradio.nyc. Anyway, uh, let's get started. Of course, as we always do, start off with a little section from my book, Everyday Awakening. And uh, the section today is entitled, There is a New Path on the other side of that awkward conversation. We all avoid having uncomfortable conversations, the ones where we know we will feel awkward and, and where we are not sure of the outcome. Avoidance keeps us from experiencing something amazing. It keeps us from finding out what is on the other side. It stops us from the gold that is underneath the surface waiting to be dug up. Perhaps you already had one conversation and there was something left unsaid. You knew at the time there was a lot more to it, yet you didn't ask. And because you didn't explore, the real conversation didn't happen. The good news is that there's usually another opportunity. You can still reach out. The key to finding a new path for us to go where we didn't go last time. The key is to it, the key is to find a new path is for us to go where we didn't go last time. To be nervous and to still say what wasn't said last time. To ask for what we want and didn't speak up about before. The truly amazing thing about doing this is that most of the time, the answers we receive are not what we would have expected. In fact, an answer can be the complete opposite of what we expect or something that takes us in such a different direction that it never even came to mind. And now that we're having a whole new conversation, one that takes us to an undiscovered country where now we are free to create something new and different. Or perhaps we learn that it is that it really is time to move on, that the path that we were on before has truly come to an end. So now we know and we are free to start a new path. Regardless of the direction of a difficult conversation, it will bring something new into our lives. It will liberate us from the fear that kept us from asking in the first place. And we will grow and transform as we move forward in our lives. We may even look back on that trepidation that kept us from asking to talk in the first place and wonder why we waited such a long time. Is there a difficult conversation you've been putting off? 
can you now approach it with an air of excitement of what might be on the other side of that conversation? So this section of my book I wrote, um, well, I don't know, it was a while ago. I mean, the book came out two years ago, so it was more than two years. It was probably about three, four years ago. And, and this section I kind of wrote after um, a couple of things. One was I was having conversations with people who were working with the same person, the same teacher I was working with at the time. And they were complaining to me about the way he is, and I've experienced it myself, and their challenges, and the way they were treated, and this and that. And I was, well, did you talk to him about it? Did you talk to uh, the, the person above him about it? And they were like, no, and, and they were kind of timid about it, and they were afraid because he was the only teacher in this area. And, and so it really kept more than one person from really speaking up and having this conversation. And I really didn't know what to say to them other than talk to them, talk, talk to them and, and, and express what you feel. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, find someone else. So that was sort of the first piece of it. And then I was having a conversation uh, actually with my wife and and it was a little bit challenging to kind of bring up the topic at the time. I can't even remember exactly what it was, but I remember that. Um, and actually, I don't even think I was the one who brought it up. Usually she she notices something and she kind of digs into me and she's like, you know, what's going on with it? And then I respond. And and I remember I was I was a little fearful or I was a little, you know, nervous about having this conversation. And then we had the conversation and then things turned out in a totally different direction that what I was afraid of was actually nowhere near what ended up happening. And, and the conversation was um, actually very good and, and, and brought us closer together. And that vulnerability, that willingness to talk really made a huge difference. And so then I realized that then that's how this kind of section of the book came up was I um I had this impression, I had this fear, I had this projection of what would happen if we had this conversation. And the truth was actually it was nothing like that. And it was all just in my own imagination. And it kept me from having this important conversation. And so I realized from this that actually, if I have a little more openness, that if, I, if I'm a little more willing to be vulnerable, if I'm willing to be okay with the uncertainty of where the conversation could go, that it actually opens up to this whole new opportunity to discover things that we never, that I never would have discovered otherwise. And so it, it sort of humbled me and it helped me to realize that awkward conversations, yeah, we, we, we don't like to have them, we tend to avoid them, but so often, so often, the other side of that awkward conversation is something we never would have imagined. And actually, it's so important to have those awkward conversations. Like those are the, the gold in our life. Those are the real meat and the juice of things. So I guess this is just my way of saying, if you're feeling nervous about talking about something with somebody, then that's a wonderful sign that that's absolutely the conversation you need to have. Now, look, I'm not saying these conversations always work out in a wonderful, beautiful way. Of course not. Sometimes it means, okay, we've got to come to the end of something. But if we, if, but if that's where things are going, why delay it? Why put it off? Sometimes we need to come to that ending 
so that we can come to a new beginning. And that sometimes, you know, we might be afraid of expressing ourselves because of what could happen, but sometimes what then happens is actually what we really wanted and what we were looking for. So I, I know it's not easy. I, I know it's challenging. I know it's the most confronting thing. And in my experience, I've also learned not only is it the most confronting thing, it, it also can be the most valuable thing that we do. So that's our section from my book, Everyday Awakening. Uh, the section is called There is a New Path on the Other Side of That Awkward Conversation. Uh, and of course, you can get my book, Everyday Awakening, at www.everydayawakeningbook.com. That'll take you uh, right to um, the listing on Amazon. But if you're like me and you like supporting independent bookstores, please feel free, you know, uh, we're in a major distributors. So just ask your local bookstore to order it for you if you haven't gotten it yet. Okay, now it is my extreme pleasure to bring onto the show a uh, dream coach, storyteller, and multi-time author, Pearl Greger. Pearl is an explorer and a seeker. She is the author of three books in the Dreams Along the Way series. She's a farmer, a grandmother, a blogger, and a crone of wisdom. Pearl experienced years of personal turmoil beginning about the age of nine. Nightmares, depression, psychologists, and finally, psychiatrists, prescriptions, and prayers, and nothing, but nothing worked. Then at the age of 43, she discovered meditation, and in the December of 90, 1988, uh, learned that she could ask for a dream. That first dream unleashed, unleashed an avalanche of change. Like the mythical goddess Inanna, Pearl lived the descent into the underworld. Dreams, prayer, meditation, reading, and journaling led her through that long and intense seven-year journey to heal her shredded feminine soul. She is the author of the books, I, the Woman Planted the Tree, Authoring Self, and cauldron of the feminine and it is my pleasure to welcome pearl to the show welcome to the conscious consultant hour pearl good, good morning and thank you very much sam so it's, it's a total delight to be here uh well it's wonderful to have uh someone with your years of an, of experience and your wisdom to to come on to the show um i i i haven't always in my life honored um, older people, but I've learned over the years that people such as yourself, you've lived so much, you've experienced so much, you have so much wisdom to share that I've really learned that there's so much value in speaking with people who are older than I am. Thank you for that, Sam, because it's not always the, the way it is in our culture. Our culture does not have a lot of honor for the elders. It's yeah. something that even the elders don't understand that they they have to step out themselves to in, and to kind of invite that that respect. Otherwise, nobody knows they're around. Right, right. Yeah. And 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 I'm I've also what's helped me a lot to cultivate this also is because my wife is Chinese, and in the Asian cultures, they so much more honor the elderly in their culture. So over the years i've been married over 19 years now like i've gotten a lot of that from her as well yeah. and and to me that also highlights the point of the importance of allowing ourselves to be exposed to other cultures mm -hmm. that, that when we expose ourselves to other ways of being in the world that we actually um enrich our lives and and we can learn from different cultures and take the best of different cultures that's very apparent in both Canada and the United States because we have a diverse, very diverse culture with people from all over the world. And we, we, if we're, we're careful and if we're listeners, we learn a lot from those other cultures. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Pearl, I, I would, I want to get into your background a little bit and how you kind of came to all this, but we have to take our, our first break. 
So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I would love for you to kind of give our audience a bit of a background. You know, what happened to you when you were young? What was your path like until, you know, how did you discover meditation? And, and then, you know, what happened from then on? Okay. I can do that. All right, wonderful. So everybody, and I see, I just want to give a quick shout out to a loyal listener, Patty, uh, on uh, the uh, YouTube live. Thank you, Patty, for listening and sharing. And everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday at noon on talkradio.nyc, Eastern Time. Uh, and as well, you can hear us live on KMET in Palm Springs, California, uh, 10 a.m. on Wednesdays and uh, all across the internet and all the podcasting platforms. And we will be right back with Pearl Greger in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Um, so, Pearl, uh, what happened to you as a child, and 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 how did were you able to to kind of get yourself out of that situation? Well, the 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 whole situation began when I was nine years old, when it began with nightmares, and nobody knew where they came from or why they were there. They lasted, as I said, for many many years. I got worse when I was sixteen. Went into young womanhood. And by 19, I was under psychological care and my life went on. I was able to carry on. I come from a very strong, strong family background, which is a, is a big blessing. Stable rural family in peasant or in uh, Homestead, Crooked Creek, Alberta, which is very, very far north from from where you are, for sure. Yeah. And we were we were uh, we went to log schools. I drove horses to school, rode horseback to school. It was like the little house on the prairie sort of idea. People mm -hmm. can get that picture. And I was I was born in 1945, which was the end of World War World War II, of course. And things opened up a great deal in where I lived. And by the time I was in my 20s, I went to university. I got my first degree when I was 32. And life went on. I mean, I got married. I did all the things that normal people do. And with a constant depression in the background. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got to be 43, I was desperate. I was hearing voices. In fact, one day, my grade nines, I had a class of grade nine students once a day. And the, at halfway through the class, I noticed they were, they were getting quite restless. By the end of the class, they were, several of them came up and said, can we talk to you? 
uh, and said, sure, what do you need? They said, oh, it's not us, it's you. We think you're ill and you should go home. You, didn't, you usually make sense, Mrs. Gregor. Today, you didn't make any sense at all. So I went home. Those kids were probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Because they, were, they had that conversation that you said a minute ago. That was a difficult conversation for them to go to their teacher and say, we think you're sick and you should go home. Mm. I went home and I went back to the psychiatrist. And from there, things did not evolve very well. They just got worse. By the time, oh, I don't know, months went on, my, my, one of my girlfriends said, okay, Pearl, you have tried everything. It's time to do something different. Mm -hmm. So come with me. We'll go to this meditation group. So that's what we did. That was the beginning right there. I began to get into meditation. I meditated uh, probably too much because I ended up ill. Started in, in uh, April. By August, I ended up in the hospital because I, I was... Um, very, very ill. I was throwing up um, from every part of my body, if you get my drift. Yeah. And so that meant 10 days in the hospital. And I was on, on uh, intravenous for that period of time. When they finally sent me home, I was completely, um, I was just, I don't know even what word I would use, desperate, more desperate, because I, I had no idea what was happening. Years later, I was in New York, and I was explaining to the, the instructor about what had happened. And she said, well, Pearl, that's called holy shit. Because <laughs> it's, it's a big toxic release from meditation. And so I had, in 1988, that was August of 1988. By December, I was, my family thought maybe I was getting into the occult because of the meditation. I'm a Roman Catholic by birth. And by a long, long, long lineage back to the time of Luther. So that meant that there was some fear around getting into things I shouldn't be into. And I, they, one, of the, one of my brothers and wife sent me a box of books. And in that box of books was a book that said a Christian approach to dream work. And it said I could ask for a dream, which I did. Okay. That was probably the second best thing that happened. Meditation being the first, this being the second. And... So that I, I read that book that night. I'm, I'm an addicted reader, as many people are. And I read that book and it said, ask for a dream. And I did. I got a dream. Mm. And in that dream, I, I can tell people the dream because I remember it. archetypal dreams like that one stay with you a very long time. Yeah. They just don't, they don't recede. And that one, I can close my eyes and I can feel it. I'm on the eighth floor in that dream of the Harley Court building, which is where my office was. Only it was, my office was really on the seventh floor. That becomes critically important, mm -hmm. that idea of seven, because dreams are symbolic. Right. They're never literal. So I was on the eighth, but in the dream, I was on the seventh. So you, the first question you ask now that I know about dreams is, why the seventh? Why did the dream say the seventh? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll get back to that. So... I step into the elevator and the elevator begins to fall. Now in dreams, I have fallen for thousands of miles in my dreams over from age nine to 43, as you can imagine. Wow. Whenever I had the dream and it was a repetitive dream, I was, I was being chased by a man with a scarred face. Hmm. So this time I wasn't, but I was falling in this dream. And I had read about falling and falling. When I woke up from the dream, I realized what had happened many months later, not right away. So I fell, and there was a lot of women around me in the elevator. They were screaming, and I'm praying, Jesus, make it safe, all the way down. Finally, I land in lamb's wool or chicken feathers. I've never completely, I'm not sure which one it was. But when I go back to the dream, go to the first sentence and go to the last sentence, I'm in an elevator. An elevator is a city thing. We don't find them in the country. Mm -hmm. Chicken feathers and lamb's wool is a country thing. It's an organic thing. It's very different. Masculine being the city feminine being the, the, the earth. Mm. And so I, I began to realize as I went through that dream on the seventh floor was a sacred number, seven, seven commandments, seven sins, seven, this, there's many, many sevens in, in biblical terms. Mm -hmm. And many dreams have some, some sense of spirituality in them. And oftentimes we don't get to that right away because our culture doesn't understand that very well especially the symbolic part. They may know the literal part, but the symbolism they don't remember. So that dream told me that I was going to take a fall and I would fall, but I would be safe. 
And I did not realize that right away, as, as you can imagine. I'd never had a dream before. I, I'd always had nightmares. I didn't know what dreams meant. So I began to read about what dreams, what dreams can tell you. And I learned from Carl Jung, mostly the work of Carl Jung, which most of the listeners will either have heard of, or some will be very familiar with the, the writings and the work of Carl Jung, especially today, as there's a lot more awareness than there was in 1988. 88 is 35 years ago. Yeah, hard to believe. God. <laughs> it's a long, long time ago. I mean, 35 years ago, you were not, I don't know how quite old you were, but you sir, were not doing radio shows, I'm pretty sure. No, no, I wasn't doing radio shows, but I was already working. <laughs> yes. So, but you know, the difference between being 35 and even 43 yes. is quite, quite different. Yes. Midlife happens for women and for men. Midlife changes your inner world a great deal. Yeah. It's your big opportunity. If you're at midlife out there in your listening world, pay attention to the changes that might be happening because they are incredible if you're paying attention. And you can, my whole life turned around at that point because I, that was the first dream. Then I went to a meditation and a, and a, a prayer group on the 2nd of, of January. And in that dream, or in that evening, there was a gentleman in that group, and he said, Pearl, I, there's a message for you that you're not listening to. The message said, the endurance run is over, and there was a, a, a vision of silver coins and a river, real river of silver coins, and a field of sunflowers. Hmm. Well, you think about that. I mean, what do sunflowers mean in, in symbolism? a whole river and silver coin. What's that about? And what, what, what was the possible message of the endurance run is over? I hadn't got a clue, but my energy level went through the roof in that, in that moment. Wow. So I, when I left there, when I got home, I began to read some more to try to find out what does this, what does this all mean? I discovered that symbol, the symbolism of the, the sunflower is it's um it's a, I can't even pronounce the name. It's uh, Fibonacci, and it's oh, Fibonacci, a, yes. Fibonacci, and you, many people will be aware of that as well. It's the perfect. It's the pi pi r squared number, mm -hmm. and it tells us a lot. And the sunflower turns to follow the sun, right. and it turns, and that's what we have to do. We have to turn to follow the sun. So mm -hmm. it took me a long time to understand that. And a river of silver coin is is a, as wealth. It's riches but it's silver it's right. it's the notion of there's a wealth of um, in the inner world that's available to you but again it took a long time to discover that right, right. so um I'm, I'm just curious we're going to need to take a break in a minute or so but i want to just go back to nine years old and you start having nightmares was there anything that that preceded that was there some trauma or some something that happened that caused the nightmare or was just out of the blue with absolutely no explanation? At the time, it didn't think there was an explanation. I'll get to the explanation in, a, in about another minute. Oh, okay. The explanation came through meditation. Uh, again, that idea that I had to understand the symbolism of what was happening and where this was possibly coming from. It was a great amount of repressed trauma in my life. I'd had a great trauma, but I didn't remember the trauma. It was when I was two years old and my parents were, were not, did not know about it either. It was, it was at a church picnic. I was molested as a small child before I could talk and explain to anybody what was going on. This came through to me in a, in another meditation in symbols. And it would, it blew the whole, in that evening, I, I received the gift of forgiveness and compassion. And that whole story came flooding through me. And I, I have never, again, experienced that level of energy in my body. My body turned blue, a little bit like the color of your, your talking radio. Your, uh, the talk radio logo. Yeah. The logo. It's kind of that I could see through my hands. That's how powerful the energy was that went through my body. Mm. And so I'd had some really energetic experiences prior to this. As I said, when I had the the, the conversation with mm -hmm. about the river of silver coin and the endurance run, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That that was an evening where it wasn't as powerful as this, the the meditation evening, but it was darn close. Wow. And so you you get, I mean, there had been before this there had been another event at St. Basil's where I would went to a prayer meeting, which I'd never gone to before and have never done since. Mm-hmm. And in that prayer meeting, I met a, a, a an older man, big man, who he and his wife prayed over me. Dreams in this journey often require some sense of spiritual event. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be in church. Mine were not in church because in my world, the, the world is everyone's church. If we were paying attention, it doesn't have to be a building that's dedicated to this idea. Right. So that, that evening with, uh, with the meditation, when my body turned blue and I could see through it, and I was hearing, I could hear this, conversation going on my girlfriend was there two girlfriends were with me throughout the experience and it was everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Of any other words, it's something that you can't even put into words. Mm. So, um... I, I understand. So, I, I, would, I, would, I would like to just take a quick pause there. We need to take just a quick break. And then um, uh, when we come back from the break, I'd like to start talking about, uh, you know, as you learn more about dreams, like what brought you to write the first book? When did you decide that you wanted to sort of share your experiences in a, right. in a broader way? Okay. Yeah. All right. We can talk about that because that was a very specific point in day and time. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back with Pearl Gregor in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. So Pearl, so you, you started to dive in, you know, meditation, asking for dreams, interpreting dreams, understanding dreams better, studying the works of people like Carl Jung. Um, what brought you to that point where you decided you wanted to share this in a more public way by writing a book? 
Well, it was a strange event. I was driving. I must, was a consultant at that time in of my life. I was working as a government consultant in social studies. I was driving one early morning to a workshop where I was, I was doing the workshop. It was a 200-mile drive, so I had a lot of time to think. And as I was driving, a voice came out of the back seat of my car, which sounds pretty, pretty strange. And it was strange. It said, write dreams along the way. And I'm thinking, the voice, this is too crazy. The voice says, write dreams along the way. And I keep driving. Write dreams along the way. I stop my car. I get out. I walk around three times. What would you do if you hear a voice behind you? <laughs> so I, I walked around and kind of give my head a shake, get back in. And the voice says more insistently, write dreams along the way. Okay, so I began to do that. But that's 1990 or 92. Mm. That's a far away from the end of my journey. The journey, I didn't actually sit down to write till I had a series of strokes in 2014. Uh, so it was a long time before. It takes a lot of courage to, to start to write your own story. One that's kind of not a, reg a regular story. It's not, it's not normal. I've not read too many kind of stories like this and to, to put dreams in it and to put meditation and journaling in it. It was, I mean, when I wrote the books, it was, it, even that was difficult to do because you, you keep thinking who's going to read this, who's going to laugh. Mm. Um, they're going to think this is completely ridiculous and pretty, pretty strange. However, I had this inner voice that talked and it, it, it when it, when it finally came time, I had the strokes. I went, from my farm to spend the winter in Victoria, British Columbia. I took with me the books, some books that I was reading. I took as many journals. I had put the journals, everything was typed into my computer so that I could, I could search and find a particular dream or a particular word. So I, I could quite easily put things together that way. Right. So I began to write when I got to Victoria. And before I left, it was a strange, another strange event, uh, uh, a little synchronicity that happens in people's lives all the time. If I pay it, paid attention, I, my, my son was waiting to take me to the plane. He's waiting in the car. He said, just a minute, Colin. And I came in the house. I picked up a little book called uh, Initiation, The Way of Initiation, Descent uh, to the Goddess. And so that book was, was a clear message around Inanna, the descent to Inanna. And I found that the dreams had followed that descent all the way through to, to a dream that came close to the end of the, the journey that I was on. Mm -hmm. Seven-year journey. And maybe that was related to the seven years in that first dream, the, the seven floors that I would fall. I don't know. But the seven came up quite often. Many people will remember seven as a lucky number. Well, there's a reason for luck. And it's quite often related to more than luck. It's again related to that spiritual world that that many of us live in and don't we're not real aware of that living that we're we're surrounded by a, a loving presence at all times that we don't really pay a lot of attention to. But I began to write that book and I published it in 2018. So that took quite a long time to write the first book. Mm -hmm. The second and the third came quickly right thereafter because it was I now knew what I, where I was trying to go with this book and I knew where I wanted to end mm. and I, I, that the it's it ended at seven years very very close to seven years uh, so that's how I started the first one and the second one second second one came in 2019 the third one in 2020 uh, it came very very quickly in the process of writing these books did you learn anything about yourself that kind of surprised you or was it really just the telling of a story for you? So, sorry, I missed that. I said I, I learned a great deal about myself because um, in the dream, I had no idea that, that this descent is so possible, and it changed my identity. I, I became much more out, outgoing than I was. I'm a, an introvert by personality and by by testing by inventory of personality. I'm, I'm a very, very deep introvert, actually. And I learned that I am an introvert. And there's that's normal. There are there's 25% of the world are introverts We're outnumbered by extroverts quite significantly. 
So we think there's something wrong with this, but there really isn't. Mm. In fact, there's a book written by Susan Cain called um, Quiet, and she claims that introverts will take over the world eventually. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm with her. We're in the process of taking over the world because we're, we tend to, to not our, – our modus operandi is not to say anything until we're sure that we, we know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, so we don't we don't go on talk shows until we're pretty sure. We don't write books until we're darn sure. We we think about things for a long time. Now the journaling was a big part of what I what I had. Every dream was written in a journal. Every dream that I ever had. Okay. So as as I'm working with those dreams as they came along, or it would have been too overwhelming to start to write in 2015 and try to to make sense of all that dream material because there was. I had 22 journals when I started. I have about 35 now. Wow. But so that's just what you're doing all the time. And you discover that symbolism pops up in the strangest places. When you're reading books that have no relationship to dreams. I was reading a book, for example, by Estes called Women Who Run With the Wolves. It's a, quite a famous book around, among women. Mm-hmm. And in there, she talks about this, this the old mother who teaches her children through through difficult times that they their endurance is important and when they finally hear the word the endurance run is over they know that they've learned what they're needing to learn so that depression taught me a lot of compassion for people who are having illnesses i mean it and and forgiveness for myself and the man who molested me mm-hmm. i mean when i was when that experience of of the the was happening I was mumbling to myself, that poor man, that poor man. My girlfriend is she's well, I, I could kill him because she was she was so angry with what I had lived through. When I, and that all was gone for me. I never for one minute felt angry with what had happened, which is quite strange when you think of being depressed for all those years. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it was gone. And that I'm forever thankful for because I wasn't left with the bitterness. I was left with a great joy actually that I had learned so much about what I needed to do in my life. Mm-hmm. It I, really sounds like your your whole life is really like a, a spiritual journey uh, that took you places you didn't even expect to go. It absolutely took me places I had no idea were even available. I mean, I had prayed. I had I, as a young kid, I was very attuned to the saints. And I would read, and I I read about um, really strange stuff. If you read the lives of the saints, you'll recognize that there were saints who were beheaded. There were saints who were who were well. Joan of Arc comes to mind. Um, Saint Cecilia comes to mind. Uh, that's my middle name. Um, she was beheaded uh, for her faith, and th- those women were some of them were incredibly powerful. I don't think that was healthy that they were willing to do that. I don't think that's necessarily what we're after in the world of spirituality. However, that's what they lived through. And I was quite, I I knew that miracles had happened. I had read the miracles of Fatima or Fatima, the miracles at Lourdes, the miracles of Medjugorje. I was familiar with all that and had a deep devotion to Mother Mary. I, I didn't talk much about an experience I had when I was 16. I went away to school. I was very attuned to music, and I was going to take music and voice. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a, a, a great musician, and he was pleased as punch that I wanted to do that. So off I went to Calgary, which is about 300 miles, 350 miles maybe from where I grew up, mm-hmm. to go to private school. I didn't last very long because I began to hear voices there too, but they, they were not voices that I they, – they, I didn't know anything about that idea. I had no clue about what what that could possibly mean. I didn't know much more about it when I was forty three, but I knew that it was it it was hadn't killed me before when it happened. You know, so it wasn't for me. It was just part of what happened, hmm. and I would just get to the point where I would hear voices and they would be garbled. There was nothing I could make of them, but uh-huh. when, when eventually they became much more clear. And they, I, they said things that I could understand, like the endurance run is over. That's not a normal thing, but it's clear. At least you didn't have a clue what it meant, but at least it was clear. It wasn't garbled. Right, right. Yeah. Do you still hear voices? 
not as much now now I'm much more aware of their inner their inner their your own inner voice everybody has an inner voice we just don't learn to to pay attention I learned a great deal about about intuition mm-hmm. what is intuition and following my intuition and not being not being afraid to do what doesn't look like it's should be done mm-hmm. it's something that you just go and you you have this idea that you need to talk to a certain person you walk across the room and you talk to them right. which is different than i would well i i did a a meyer briggs when i was in new york studying dreams in 1991 i went to to mary knoll center you may know it it's it's in the hudson river valley as, oh, yeah. as in, in part of new york Anyway, I went down there and and uh I know I've forgotten where I was going with this story. Where I was going to I wasn't hearing voices. Uh, uh um you were saying something about the Myers Briggs test you took. Right. For Father John Rich was the, the man in charge of this. There was a, a, a lady as well, Sister Sylvia, and a, another man, a Baptist minister who was running this dream intensive, they called it. And so I I he said to me, do you want to do a Meyer Briggs? He said, I think you should. So I did it. He comes back a little while later. He's got the results. And he says, so Pearl, if you go into a room with 100 people, what do you do? I said, hide behind a post. <laughs> you know, that's why I would have never, I would have been at the back of the room where nobody, I'm sure nobody would talk to me. I would be perfectly safe back there. Right. So that's, I learned that I am, I learned about being an introvert. I had never known that before. Mm-hmm. In fact, Quite often, that's a bit of an insult when somebody says, "Well, you're just you're you're you must be an introvert." It's not something that's a powerful thing, but it became a big part of who I was, mm-hmm. and it became part of who I was as a person. I could sit, I could go for days and write and write and write and not worry about anybody around me. Yeah. Well, I know some very powerful, very special people who are introverts, so you're in good company. Yes. All right, we, we have to take our last break of the show. When we come back, I would love to hear if you what kind of advice you would have for people today, younger people who have some unexplainable experience and they're sort of starting their spiritual journey, like what advice you would have for them. Okay, Pearl? Oh, yes, okay. All right, wonderful. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Our guest this hour has been Pearl Greger, and we will be right back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Pearl Greger, author of the Dreams Along the Way books. Um, so Pearl, you've had some very unusual experiences, though I have to tell you, I've had a lot of people on my show over the years who've had uh, also had unusual experiences, so you're in good company. Um, and I'm just wondering, for our audience who are listening, who maybe they've just had some strange experiences, some strange dreams, or 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 they, they somehow got attracted to something that they don't understand. What, what advice would you have for somebody who's, in a way, just starting their spiritual journey? Well, if I, were, if I was to do this over again, of course, you have to think about it. It just came. It, didn't, it wasn't a plan. There was no plan to have this kind of thing mm -hmm. happen. I was very lucky that I had people around me saying, well, maybe you need to try this. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that you write down the experience, first of all. And you mm -hmm. write down the questions that you would have about the experience. Because when I write the questions, I often get the answers. If I intend, intentionality is a huge part of this. I intend to understand this experience. And so I'll, things start to happen that come to me. And I, I, you need to learn a little bit about journaling. Because journaling, writing is the most powerful mechanism that we have. Talking is nowhere near writing. Mm. When it, you can listen to many people, and you, but you need to write down or, or draw some way of, of, of keeping that or getting that into a body, embodied experience, what we talk about as embodied. Mm. You need to, to participate in something mental, something spiritual, something emotional, and something physical. So... I mean, the physicality of it, I was doing, I was, my husband was very determined that I would go to the sauna because that, the depression was huge, but the sauna seemed somehow to relieve some of that. Oh. And I don't know why, but think about the ancient Aboriginal people and how, what they did with hot baths or with their, with their, with their, their sweat lodges. Mm -hmm. Those are not just, those are not just to make you feel better. Those are the intense heat and the intense uh, experience of a sauna or a or a heat lodge will brings sometimes some of these adventures that people go on, and so writing them down and recording them somehow, and then paying attention and trying to read about that experience, not that particular experience, but let's say dreams, because when I learned about dreams, I learned about the unconscious, and that's where this where this experience as a young child I had put this experience away because what does a two-year-old or an 18-month-old child understand about this absolutely nothing right but it has an impact we don't realize what an impact these kinds of events have on small children we think they forget about it well they forget about it but it's not it's not forgotten it's forgotten in the mind the body never forgets yes, yes. You, you've probably heard Gabor Mate yes and, and he is very his his book the body knows is so true for anyone who's had these kinds of experiences. The body remembers. And the, the body going through depression has a, a very bad time of it. My body is still trying to recover from all of those years of, of depression. So it's not something that just goes away. The, the inner world of it changed, but the outer world of it from the body perspective took a lot of, of Reiki, took a lot of of meditation and a lot of uh, massage, a lot of walking. I did a ton, ton, tons of walking. Yeah, walking is very good. Walking, meditative walking, labyrinth walking, walking for an intention of, of healing. So those are, I would start with walking and writing. Mm. And I would start with reading, reading, walking and writing. And meditation is huge because when we go into our own interior world, learning to be quiet, and, and we, we can't hear our own self if we're not ever quiet. We don't shut up long enough to hear ourselves. You know, we have to. It's, and it's hard work in a culture yes. that talks all the time. Yes. You know, yes. put the learning, phone down, stop texting. Talk, exactly. Set an hour a day at least, bare minimum, especially before you go to sleep. And, re, and ask yourself to remember a dream. I will remember a dream tonight. And then learn to work with those dreams. I mean, I learned and I now work with tons of people in there with their dreams and uh, Zoom. I mean, I hate to say it, but the pandemic has been a, a gift for 
for people because they were at home. Yes. And they they found out about DreamWork and they, they got on the Zoom calls with me. And that's a big gift for me and for them because I like to I like to share what I know and mm. it's important for other people to hear. It's going on talk shows like yours, thank you for inviting me, that make a big difference for people. Because yes, they can yeah. hear that this is this is a person who seems fairly normal or sounds fairly normal, I think, mm-hmm. but has had some incredible experiences with healing. Right. You know, so a lot of people work with their dreams. And the first thing I hear is, well, I had this weird dream last night. Of course it was weird. Yeah, weird yeah. means wise. <laughs> it's just indifferent. It's not in pure English. Uh-huh. Weird, if you look at the etymology of weird, it would be wise. So I would say I'm a weird old woman. And I've actually given talks about being weird because it's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. Well, well, Pearl, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, Before we end, I would just love to give you an opportunity to share with people. I don't know if you have a website or or where people can find your books. So just to let people know if if something you said kind of sparked an interest in them, how they can reach out to you. They can go to Amazon.ca or Amazon.com. My books are all there. The names of them are I, the Woman Planted the Tree, Authoring Self, and cauldron of the feminine if you look up dreams my name will come up it, i do have a website it's got a lot of my experiences written on the website so you can look and you can sign up for dream circle on there you can sign up for individual sessions many people start with individual because they've got very personal stories that they don't want to share with a big group of people yet right, right. and they're not ready to get into that which okay. is fine and your website is pearlgregor.com? No, my website is www.dreamsalongtheway. Oh, dreams along the way, yes. Yeah, dreams, dreams along, along the way. way. Yes. Yeah. It's quite easy. And even if you just look up dreams, my, my website will usually come, pops up close to the top, if not at the top. Uh, so wonderful, wonderful. Well, Pearl, thank you so much for taking the time to come on my show today. I truly appreciate you. I know you've, You've had a, a very interesting life, which isn't always an easy life, but an interesting life. And I really appreciate you sharing your story and sharing yourself with people because I agree with you, more people need to hear stories like this so they can understand that, you know, that there is more to life sometimes than we than we uh, take for granted. Yeah, there's a great deal for life, especially when begin, you begin to look at it from a different perspective, which will happen when you begin to study dreams, because they will force you to look at a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you very much for inviting me on. It's been a a great pleasure to talk about my experiences. And hopefully other people will come, well, will be curious about those experiences and come and talk with me on my own on my website. Yes, That's always open to and it's around the world, which is the best thing of, of the modern age. Yes, you can talk yeah. to people in all parts of the planet. Yeah, and we'll make sure to post links to the website on the show notes. So thank you. Thank you, Pearl. Thank you all. Thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in today. Um, you know, without you, there is no show. And of course, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always catch the replay on talkradio.nyc, on YouTube, and on all the podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, just search the conscious for the Conscious Consultant Hour and you'll find it there. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you all next week. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc.
you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 